Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that can enthrall you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped, like Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie. With exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances, Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone? iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to another edition of Ion Travel. This week, from London, with a look at the coronation of King Charles III, and what that means for travel. I'll check in with Simon Calder. He's the senior travel correspondent for The Independent in London. So is there still a place for the monarchy in the United Kingdom? And while there's been a surge in bookings to Great Britain, is there any hope for airfares to finally come down? Simon has a prediction or two. Then, veteran royals watcher Victoria Mather stops by with her own predictions for royalty in the UK. And she doesn't mince words. The numbers don't lie. You know who knows that? Julia Simpson, the president and CEO of the World Travel and Tourism Council, with a look at how many people are actually traveling, where and why. And their research is revealing. First up, Simon Calder. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power the collaboration needed for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything, from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million. Atlassian Software is built to help keep you connected and moving together as one. Thanks to ADT, our presenting sponsor. I enjoy true crime podcasts as much as the next person, but I think we've all experienced losing sleep when an episode hits just a little too close to home. 
With ADT, get 24-7 peace of mind knowing that your home is protected by the most trusted name in home security. With nearly 150 years of experience, reliability, and safety innovations, ADT is a tried-and-true smart home security system that over 6 million Americans trust. Equipped with the latest technology and the intelligence of Google, ADT provides comprehensive protection that you can manage from virtually anywhere. Whether you opt for professional installation by ADT Pros or easily set it up yourself, customize your smart security system to work for your home and your routine. With Nest Cams and Doorbells, set up intelligent alerts so you receive notifications on what matters most. Your camera can tell the difference between a person, package, vehicle, and animal, and will alert you when there's activity. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, and Nest Doorbell are trademarks of Google LLC. ADT. Brilliantly safe. Mr. Simon Calder, how are you, sir? Peter, well, I'm so, so glad to see you in the middle of all this madness. And ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> at home, uh, wherever the story is, Peter will be right at the centre. And I can't believe that we are in this most gorgeous room and we're just just feet away from where everything is happening. So, you know, so I, I should tell people from a, from a perspective of history, this hotel used to be St. George's Hospital. And they've, they've done an amazing conversion many, many years ago, keeping all the best parts. And then it's just an amazing, and what a location. It is. So we are pretty much at the spot from which all distances in England are measured. Hyde Park Corner, the location couldn't be better. So are you excited about the coronation? I've been living with the coronation for <laughs> weeks, Peter. Um, I'm lucky enough to live in London. I travel around it, actually mostly by bicycle, and it's just been getting increasingly difficult to find some way through. Well, you always listen. For those people who listen to the show know already, you go everywhere by bicycle. Well, yes, because normally it's a very good, efficient way to travel around the capital. It's been getting s slower and slower um, and, uh, of course, the... With, well, on we, this we weekend, welcome, you're not riding bike, you're walking. Uh, well, yeah, um, or the subway is actually doing doing pretty well. Um, but, of course, oh, gosh, I so welcome you and everyone else who's come to London. We we greatly appreciate the um, your, the choice that you've made. And it's wonderful that uh, after everything that we've been through and indeed are going through in the UK politically and economically, um, that people are still prepared to come here and join in our little party. Well, Americans have always been fascinated with the, with the with the royals here, as you may have figured out. Um, my own producer, Amanda Morris, I know this is radio, but I think she's wearing a tiara as we speak. Um, oh, maybe those are headphones. I'm not sure. But it, 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 late at night, you know she's running around the room with a tiara. She's just completely fascinated. And you know what? I was addicted to the crown on television. So, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm no exception. Well, there is a satirical magazine here called Private Eye. You might have seen it where the um, headline, the whole entire front page is um, Man with Hat Sits on Chair. And that's it <laughs> to uh, celebrate it, which um, I suppose shows another side of, um, of British humour. But um, anyway, it's a, it's a great celebration. Um, I desperately hope that the uh, uh, king and queen are very very happy and that they enjoy the same kind of longevity and service to the nation that um, uh, queen elizabeth 
provided. Okay, devil's advocate question. Is there, is there room anymore? For the monarchy? Oh, well, it depends where you are. I think in the UK, it's about all we've got left of our <laughs> dignity. Um, however, of course, if you are Australia, if you're one of the African nations um, where the uh, British royal family is, is your head of state, you're probably beginning to think, well, we loved Elizabeth. She kind of took us to independence. She was somebody who we, we absolutely um, adored. Um, and now, actually, I mean... Unfortunately, the actuarial um, likelihood is such that we'll now start getting through um, monarchs at a fair old rate. And um, I dare say that uh, um, quite soon our dear friends um, in the Commonwealth will start thinking, well, actually, um, we, we probably don't need them on the banknotes anymore. Thank you. Well, look, you've seen it already happen in Barbados. Other Commonwealth countries are basically sort of removing themselves or or distancing themselves from from that kind you know that kind of connection with the royals. Well, of course, but if if you if you're a young Barbadian growing up and you you kind of see your first banknotes, so who's she? Who's he? Who's that white lady? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What 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 on earth has that got to do with my life, my heritage, and so on? And um, uh, so I think questions like that will increasingly be asked quite rightly. Although, I'm speaking to Simon Calder, the chief travel correspondent for The Independent, travel and tourism is a huge energy, uh, uh, energetic engine for the for the industry. The royals, they're revenue, make, they're revenue generators in terms of travel and tourism. It is extraordinary just how much they bring in. I mean, one of my regular routes across London is cycling past Buckingham Palace any time of the day from from dawn till dark you can find foreign tourists who are there not because it's one of the uh, palaces you can go into there are times when you can but uh, most of the time it's closed just because they want to be there where uh, at the location they have seen so many times and uh, I'm not quite sure what how we in the UK managed to secure the most um uh, celebrated royal family because um, obviously Scandinavians, the Dutch, many other nations have their kings and queens, but we sort of seem to have got the franchise. Well, you know what? I guess the, our fascination goes back to the days of when we were colonized by you guys. Well, and, and um, some people would, would, would lament the fact that you um, have secured your independence. Not me, I stress, Peter. Well, if they lament the fact that we've secured our independence, you might remind them it happened a few hundred years ago. <laughs> Just thought I'd mention that. Yeah, thank you. I'm intrigued, Peter, by the number of people who are not getting away. Um, just in the last few days, um, building up to Coronation Day itself, I've been keeping an eye on airfares. Everyone in the UK is gripped by it, despite perhaps some cynic- cynicism in some quarters. So um, uh, on Friday, for instance, you could buy a flight for Saturday morning, going from Bournemouth in southern England to Bergerac, beautiful town in southwestern France, and including tax and fees and everything else, um, that was going to cost you £11. Let's call it Come on. 15 bucks a tops. Um, and, and is that Ryanair again? It, funnily enough, it is Ryanair. I'm shocked. Yeah. But, but you can also fly from Edinburgh to Reykjavik in Iceland for £42. So let's call that 50 bucks. Um, and all of these on Coronation Day, because clearly people don't want to travel. They and, want to stay home and watch it. Yeah, they do. And obviously you and I have talked about how, since COVID, um, fares have gone through the roof. And it's, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about that, because <laughs> right now... Uh, if you take a look at a regular airfare, even if you book it two weeks in advance from New York to London, 
That's twelve hundred dollars. Well, and and, it's, it's and, that, gonna, and by the way, that's low. There are others. Uh, others are much higher. Well, and let me tell you what's a part of that. One of the great news stories I covered um, during the week was the ending of the U.S. stipulation that you have to be fully vaccinated to travel to the U.S. Now, that's been uh, it's been in place for so long that I calculated somebody who hasn't had a course of COVID vaccinations, for whatever reason, has been unable, if they're not an American, to go to the U.S. for 38 months. Yes. That was um, when uh, the Donald Trump uh, presidential uh, decree said um, we're not allowing you Brits in or Europeans in and that finally ends Friday the 12th of May you can buy a ticket I've been looking at flights on that day they are just disappearing because of course there's so much pent-up demand here in the UK and other parts of Europe to get to the US among and in the UK alone seven million adults have not been vaccinated so effectively the U.S. has been off their agenda. Suddenly it's back yeah, on and anymore. everybody wants to pile in. And those airfares are only going to go in one direction. The law supply and demand being what it is, that's a little scary thought. It is, but I, I celebrate the fact that, uh, I mean, I personally have been getting as many vaccinations as I possibly can. <laughs> but I celebrate the fact that the U.S. is now pretty much on the same page as everyone else. Airfares have been so high, regardless of the coronation, right? That's just one event. But if you take a look at... You know, just a trend mm-hmm. from September of 2021 through yeah. now, it's just going up and up. It's 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 not dropping off at all. Do you ever see it coming down? Well, the latest figures I've seen from the International Air Transport Association, IATA, tell me that we are still 21% down in terms of capacity compared with the greatest ever year in the history of air travel, which, of course, was 2019. So therefore, I do see fares coming down a bit. Most of that aviation is not happening. That, that Most of the aviation that's not happening isn't happening in, um, in and out of China. And before they the were pandemic, locked up. Uh, they, they were locked up. Uh, Their people are now allowed to travel. Um, you and I are still not allowed to go in as tourists to the People's Republic. That will change. I don't know how long it will take, but as soon as it does... The big Chinese airlines, including Air China, China Southern, China Eastern, are going to pile in capacity. You're going to see, for example, Cathay Pacific, the Hong Kong-based airline. Last time I was in Alice Springs in Australia's Northern Territory, you could barely move in the airport for all these um, Boeing 777s. That and by just... the way, if you're going to Alice Springs, you're there to see Cuba Pedi. Yeah, and you're there to see the Airs Rock. Uh, yes, Uluru, as I think I call it these days. Anyway, um, so capacity is going to come back in. And as always, and you know that these things are very cyclical, the the so-called yields that the airlines are getting are so off the scale that the the normal trend of the airline business is as soon as somebody thinks, crikey, how much are our rivals making? Right, we're going to pile in loads of capacity and grab some of that. And prices do come down. And in particular, um, a really important um, destination for a lot of British travellers is Australia. And the fares there, well, I mean, it used to be the case that you could book on the day of travel and find something for around £800, $1,000 round trip. Uh, you might well be going through Guangzhou or Shanghai or Beijing, but you would get there and back uh, for, for a good price. That's now $2,000. And 
it will come down, but it's just taking time. And in the meantime, if you want to get away, you've got to pay uh, the price. Although here's my advice that I give to a lot of my friends, and you may think I'm crazy, but I'm going to say it anyway. I tell my American friends back home that if you're looking for a cheaper flight, not just a cheap flight, but a cheaper flight to Europe or within Europe, go to an American, go to a newsstand in your city that takes foreign papers and get the Saturday editions of the London papers, right? Because that's where you do all your travel sections, whether it's the Independent, the Telegraph, the Times, the Observer, you name it, and then open it up to those ads because those are ads that are not advertised in the U.S., and if you don't mind flying through a secondary airport in London, right, whether it's Stansted or Luton or whatever, you can get some unbelievable deals in Europe. Oh, you certainly can. Um, we do have uh, London is oddly um, still the world capital of aviation in terms of the sheer number of people who fly in and out. But, I mean, you can actually go to those secondary airports because you're not going to see them advertised in the U.S. Yeah, you're not. You're not. And, of course, the main airport, which um, the vast majority of people coming in from the U.S. sees, uh, is London Heathrow. Some people go to Gatwick. We've also got Stansted, Luton, as you say, um, as well as South End and London City Airport. And uh, Well, I love more. London City Airport. They used to have the, my, favorite, my favorite flight from London City Airport they got rid of. The one to the United States. Oh, British Airways Flight 1, yeah. Yeah, Flight oh. 1 and Flight 2. Oh. oh, my God. What a great deal that was. But it's a very short runway at London City Airport, so you can't do heavy, long-haul flights from there. Well, apparently the new range of Bombardier jets, they are looking at maybe, can we possibly get this as far as Dubai, which would be an interesting uh, wow. new development. All right, so now, as we get ready for the summer of 2023, are there going to be any bargains out there? I think we will see some bargains, but as always, the secret is not to travel when everyone else wants to. So, Can I, can I quote you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I'm actually seeing a lot of demand um, across the Atlantic, actually, um, in, in, in June as well as July and August. I'm planning to travel over around about September um, because that is when things will start to ease off. But it, it, the, the supply of seats is very, very tight. The airlines know that. They also know that people are prepared to pay to make up for lost sunshine and their charges. And that's the problem. People are not being price sensitive. They say, I want the ticket. I don't care what it costs. And the airlines are going, well, okay. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's not very good in terms of competitive pricing. Well, no, but um, but the competition will come back, um, particularly uh, US, UK. Um, we do like ferocious aviation competition, and um, long may that continue. And what about the new entrants like Norse Atlantic or Play? Yeah. Or, I mean, they're coming in the market. Uh, yes. So, okay, but this is almost a kind of um, uh, uh, reboot of um, Norwegian, which uh, used Boeing 787s for low-cost routes from London, Gatwick, and also from Oslo to a range of cities in the US. They're coming back with that. Um, and at the same time, an airline called Play, uh, which is doing pretty much what Wow Air did, uh, which is to... Out connect, of Iceland. Uh, yeah, uh, connect people through Iceland, um, which is great. I'm not sure the extent to which they will be there for the very long haul, but certainly make the most of it. And the other one which I'm really enjoying the pricing on is JetBlue. Um, oh, because they're coming over to Europe now. Yeah, in and out of Gatwick um, Airport. They are, they are doing some really good deals. My thanks to Simon. Victoria Mather has been writing great travel stories for decades, for Vanity Fair, and now for Graydon Carter's Airmail. And she's been following the Royals as well. And I gotta warn you, she doesn't hold back.
Say goodbye to performance-robbing engine deposits with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Hate to break it to you, but lower-grade fuel can leave deposits in your engine that build up over time and leave your engine's performance severely lacking. Thankfully, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus removes up to 100% of performance-robbing deposits with continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors. Download the Shell app today to find your nearest Shell station and rejuvenate your engine with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Fuel up at Shell. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Victoria, how are you? I am so well. I'm happy and glorious. Thank you very much. Uh, well, is, is it a happy and glorious coronation weekend for you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I love all the pageantry. I just love it. I think it's great. But, you know, along with the pageantry in the year of 2023, there's there's gossip, there's palace intrigue, there's all sorts of questions that still remain unanswered. There's always gossip and palace intrigue. I mean, you've got the coronation of King George IV, who's the Prince Regent, the dandy, um, who, who um, wouldn't allow his queen to the coronation. She had to batter on the door of Westminster Abbey and she wasn't allowed in. Caroline of Brunswick. Did she ever get in? Nope. <laughs> They're did going she, to shut she... the just in case Megan comes, they may shut the doors. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But did she stay queen? No. She was divorced. Wow. She was put aside. Yes, cast aside. Cast aside. But on this one, you know, look, the last one was about what, fifty three years ago. We're talking about something that doesn't happen every day around here. No, but people are saying, Oh, it's so moving because it's the only coronation I'll see in my lifetime. No, we'll see another one. <laughs> do, you, I mean, do you know if, something I don't know? If God's about us. I mean, this cannot be a long reign. This is, isn't going to be 70 years. I mean, he's 70 plus. I mean, he's 74, 74, yes. And um, it's not going to be, by definition, it cannot be a long reign. So we'll be back so here he, so, again in so about he five minutes. So he shouldn't pick out the curtains? No, I think not. But I would tell you a fascinating fact, Peter, that there is 23 miles of wool being used at this coronation. Uh, it's in the uniforms of <coughs> all the forces. It's in the red carpets. It's in the uniforms of the Pages of Honour. It's on the hassocks, which you kneel on. It's on this canopy under which Charles is being anointed. Um, it's all been specially woven because he has uh, he was president as Prince Charles of the campaign for real wool because it is sustainable. I mean, he was a bit ahead of the curve, you know, on the sustainable and eco. I really admire him for that. He made a real job out of a non-job, which is being Prince of Wales. Where you're waiting. I mean, how would you feel if you, your real career only started because you were waiting for your mother to die? <laughs> But let's go back to that because, you know, his, if you look at, look, I'm, I'm one of those fans of the, of the show The Crown. Uh, you know, you learn about his childhood. You learn about 
how he was bullied. You learn about how he really didn't know what his role was going to be or how he could do anything. And considering everything that's gone on, you know, and we're not just talking about Diana. We're not just talking about Camilla. It's the entire family. Um, he's probably the best prepared person for King. Well, yes, he has had rather a long time to rehearse, hasn't he? Yes, he has. <laughs> I think he'll be a good king. He'll be a calm king. What um, defines a good king? Someone who probably is <clears throat> someone who is there as the head of state. He is our head of state. He's not our ruler. He's our head of state, and who is a figure who, in this modern day, is approachable, uh, but all, and visible. The late Queen used to say, "You." I have to be seen to be believed, and how right she was. I think now he's <clears throat> he's very happy with Camilla. Uh, the ghost of Diana will definitely stalk, definitely stalks the Abbey. I sort of felt it today. Um, after all, her funeral was there, and for many people, they're still nuts about Diana. But he's been a good man. He, of course, he's had. A checkered career. Have you not done things that you were ashamed of, or mis- did you not? Have you not made mistakes? We don't have enough time in this show to list that. No. <laughs> later. Yeah, right. Later. Uh, but I think he's going to be okay. What's difficult about this coronation? Why it's been so slow burn? Um, you know, the excitement's only really built up in the last 10 days. I don't know if you've been to Burlington Arcade or Savile Row, where all the uniforms are displayed in the tailor's windows. Oh, listen, London's getting dressed up. I mean, I mean... Yeah, uh, but it's very late in the day. Yeah. One of the reasons is that we're still sad about the Queen. Um, we are also um, approaching this coronation with slight trepidation. I think we felt that. Uh, the Platinum Jubilee was so... You know, it was less than a year ago. Um, so getting out the bunting again is rather exhausting. And there are questions about Queen Camilla. Um, like? Like, should she be queen? She well, she's been called, what, consort? Yes, she has. And it was the wish of the late queen, Queen Elizabeth, that she should be at her son's side. I think she saw that Camilla is very, very good for Charles. He has got... Um, um, a petulant side to him. I mean, witness Pengate. <laughs> he threw the pen aside. <laughs> uh, Ex- explain, explain. Well, during the accession, he was signing his name and the pen didn't work. So he threw his side. Oh, these wretched pens, they, they never work. They never work. And you know, she very calmly produced another pen, gave it to him. I mean... You know, we could have expected the crown to be thrown away at the coronation. Oh, it's too heavy for me. It's too heavy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but fortunately not. I tell you what I also think about this coronation. It's been a fantastic example um, of a blended family, which I think is very modern for the um, the crown to commit to. Um, <clears throat> I'm frightfully excited. I really have been excited for weeks because I know one of the pages of honour, 12-year-old Rafe Tolmash, who is the son of King Charles's godson, Edward Tolmash, the future Lord Tolmash. And so he's been walking with the future king, um, little Prince George. And I think it's marvellous to see that um, the people who've been invited... I mean, quite apart from the charity workers um, and the officials. And, and they, the heads of state. And the heads of state have been family and friends who have stood by um, <clears throat> Charles and 
Queen Camilla. Um, there were, I mean, loads of dukes who had their noses put out of joints because they haven't been asked. But that's because they haven't been friends, they haven't been acquaintances. I mean, there's um, a couple called Charlie and Patty Tom, Palmer Tompkinson who took Prince Charles in when he was a young boy and taught him to ski. Charles Palmer Tompkinson is a British Olympic, was a British Olympic skier. And um, I've remained friends ever since. So they're there. Edward Fox, the actor, is there with his wife, Joanna David, the actress, because they're, they're friends. So friendship has played an enormous part. I mean, I go back to, to Harry and Meghan's wedding. There are people there who were invited that they didn't even know. Oh, that's certainly not the case at this coronation. Right, I mean, he said that they didn't even know. Very common. Really? Yes, I think it's very common to ask people you don't know to your wedding. I mean, <laughs> it's bad enough asking people you do know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, Oprah and and uh, George, George Clooney, Clooney, they didn't know him. No. They didn't know Harry. No. But they got invited. Yep. And they came. Yep, because who could resist at that point? She was the world's star turn, wasn't she? Yes, and where is she uh, on Coronation Weekend? Ah, yes. Sad, really. She could have been booed. She could have had rotten tomatoes for that. <laughs> I mean, it, if Meghan had come, it would have been a huge distraction and a sideshow. There was a marvellous cartoon in one of the papers before Prince Harry um, <coughs> confirmed his attendance, <laughs> which said... Um, keeping seats for you they're in the ncp car park in lambeth which is <laughs> <laughs> about a mile from westminster abbey <laughs> well listen i mean i'm i'm going to be watching carefully during the coronation to see where harry sits oh yes i think behind the third pillar at the back don't you obviously megan will not be here but then there are other members of the family let's talk about andrew he hasn't exactly had a star turn lately tricky one andrew he is arrogant he is in, i mean if he had one brain cell, he'd be, it'd be lonely. But he is going to be allowed to wear military uniform, I understand. So concessions have been made, regardless of what he's done, which he denies. We must remember that he absolutely denies these allegations, unpleasant allegations against him. Um, let's he's also, still but, the king's brother but let, of the king. But let's also say he denies these allegations, but he paid a huge settlement. Correct. Sort of a small problem there. You Indeed, either deny there it is. or you no, don't. No, I don't. Um, don't get it either, Peter. Okay. All <laughs> I right. think it's um, part of go away and shut up policy. Okay. Is that a royal policy? The go away and shut up policy. No, the royal policy is never complain, never explain. Well, he was halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he'll be there. He will. And and then of course, uh, uh, of course, the other brother Edward will be there. Of course. Yes, and he's a very nice chap. Um, yeah, I've met him. He's very nice. He's really nice, and she's wonderful. He's and nice and he's earnest. Yes, possibly not, you know, the greatest comedian of all time, but he just gets on with the job. When Meghan was here and was playing a royal role, the secretaries meet of the palaces, meet um, about every six months, working out schedules of who's going to do what. And she would always want to do the glamorous things. And if it was cutting a rhythm, a ribbon, if it was cutting a ribbon in Rotherham, um, <laughs> she would say, oh, can't the Countess of Wessex do it? Uh, <laughs> She didn't understand that you could read in the courts. I read the court circular the other day. <clears throat> the king and um, and the queen consort 
went to a community centre in Milton Keynes. And I thought, God, how glamorous. And people think that being royal is exciting. I mean, Milton Keynes, as you know, is a purpose-built town. Um, I mean... But it's, it's, part of what, it's part of what you do. It's what you do. It's duty. Um, because she confused royalty with celebrity and didn't understand about duty, um, that went by the board. <clears throat> and I think um, the Duke, Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh, as they now are, um, thoroughly deserve their place in the procession. But what's so lovely is Catherine, William and the three children, uh, George, who's the page, a page of honour, Charlotte, and little Louis. I think that's actually sweet. And then the Queen's pages are all her grandchildren. Um, and, and all her family have been invited. That's charming. I mean, it, it, the last coronation, it was uh, the, the Queen's train bearers were all daughters of dukes or marquises who were considered, they were chosen for their heights, matching heights. And until recently, they were all alive. There were still four left out of the six. Wow. You know, I remember going back, oh, this must be 12 or 14 years ago now, when Cunard was, was christening their new ship, the Queen Victoria. And it was the first time that Queen Elizabeth was not going to christen the ship. She sent Camilla. It was a big deal. And so we were all there watching. The band was there, right? Prince Charles was just accompanying her. He wasn't part of the ceremony. And uh, it, uh, but the best job in the world is to be the Queen's speechwriter, because you don't have to say very much. No, uh, I went to the... When the Queen launched the Queen Mary, too. Um, <clears throat> and How many the, words did she say? The, Six. Well, the great moment came, and the Queen walked up to the podium, stood in front of the microphone, put on her glasses, opened a piece of paper and said, I name this ship Queen Mary too." I thought, well, I think... This isn't your first rodeo. Do you think you could possibly have remembered that without the piece of paper <laughs> and the specs? But this time, when Camilla went up there to do it, she says, I hereby name the Queen Victoria, and God bless all those who sail on her, blah, blah, blah. She pushes the button for having the champagne bottle slam into the ship and break. The button gets pushed. The bottle goes slamming into the ship and doesn't break. It clunk. And she's wearing a mic. There's a mic at the podium, and everybody's like, oh. and Prince Charles comes behind her and goes, uh, the bottle didn't break. And we all heard that, right? Yeah. And she goes, oh, and she says it again. I hear about, and of course, nothing's going to fly out now. The, the bottle's already gone. They had a guy suspended from the roof on a steel cable with the biggest hammer you've ever seen, and he beat the living you-know-what out of that bottle. And, every, and the next day, the, the headline in the paper was, Camilla's coming out. No big fizz. <laughs> so the question I have for you, Victoria Mather, is has Camilla been redeemed? Yes, I would say so. Um, she's looking extremely tired. I mean, the garden party, they've had garden parties this week. Um, and she was looking, they, they're taking on too much. And there has been chaos in um, the office organising this um, coronation. Because uh, nobody is officially in charge. It's not the church the Dean of Westminster, it's not the palace, and it's not the government. So it's coronation by committee. Head with, well, with well, we all know what that means. Yes, exactly. <laughs> However, so, nothing gets beyond the pomp, the ceremony, the history, the pageantry, or Victoria Mather. I'm going to tell you one more thing. 
what this coronation lacks is glamour. King Charles and Queen Camilla um, may be two sweet, dear old things, but they ain't glamorous. My thanks to Victoria. People can talk about travel or trends or changing travel demographics, but Julia Simpson, who's the president and CEO of the World Travel and Tourism Council, comes armed with the facts, and the numbers might surprise you. Julia Simpson, welcome. Thank you very much, Peter. I mean, you know, you guys do so much research and information. Perfect person to talk to now as we're on the on the uh, introduction of the summer travel craziness. If the numbers that I'm seeing are any indication in the U.S., I'm assuming that they're also crazy for the world in terms of travel coming back and staying back. Travel is definitely coming back. It's staying back and it's booming, Peter. It's, it's really incredible. The numbers that we're seeing at the WTTC show that if we're looking, for example, at the U.S., this year, 2023, is going to be a record year. It's going to beat the numbers of 2019, which is obviously the, the, the date we look at pre-pandemic. Wow. And of course, here we are in Coronation Weekend here in London. You know, when people get, you know, the anti-monarchists who go, we don't need a monarchy. Well, you know what? When the, when the Brits do their funerals, their weddings and their coronations, that's a huge driver of revenue for travel and tourism in the United Kingdom. It's a massive force for good in the United Kingdom. You know, you get lots of visitors from overseas coming to see the coronation today and it's a whole weekend of celebration. This is going to be King Charles III. He's going to be the 40th king of, or king or queen of England. Um, and of course, he's got a tough act to follow because everyone really admired Queen Elizabeth. Um, but uh, he will do a great job, I'm sure. You know, I, I was reminded of a funny scene that happened outside of, well, funny in, in retrospect, uh, outside of, of the palace after Her Majesty passed away. Uh, Prince Charles came out and was walking among the crowd of all the well-wishers and people who were mourning. And he went to one woman and he said, because people have been waiting for hours. He said, have you been waiting long? And somebody in the back of the room said, not as long as you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a classic British humour, you know, British understated humour. And uh, I also remember that after he, his mother had died and he became king, although he's not a proper king until he's crowned the coronation, um, but he was signing an important document, you know, and the ink came out all over his fingers. And he felt, I think, a bit embarrassed and he was a little bit upset about this. So the next week he's walking through a crowd of visitors outside Buckingham Palace saying hello and one of them gave him a pen you know so (laughs) it's a it's a similar story and uh, we like to make a bit of fun of ourselves but it's going to be an incredible day it's a slightly pared down um, oh, yeah. he's, it's only costing he's them 120 million. Only costing 120 million, and uh, I think he's very conscious about you know costs and spending money from the British public purse. When obviously everyone at home is facing sort of record inflation. But having said that, there's a really celebratory mood in the UK. Um, he's going to be riding in two of the most traditional golden carriages. And something I didn't know, but the crown that he will wear to be crowned, he only ever wears it that day. Afterwards, it goes back into the Tower of London for lots of wonderful visitors to see. And it's a really interesting crown, but it's called the St. Edward's Crown. It's... 
originated in 1100. But as you know, we actually chopped the head off one of our monarchs, who was King Charles I. I know, I hate it when that happens. And we had Cromwell came in after a revolution, and he destroyed a lot of the regalia associated with the crowning of kings. Um, And he was really disliked for it, because he melted down the famous uh, King Edward crown, so now we have a new crown that dates from 1649. So a new it's one. a new one. So it's still it's still pretty old, uh, but not, not as old as it should be. The thing that's going to be really really old is the seat that he sits on to be crowned. They think it's the oldest piece of furniture in the world that is still in use, and so he will be sat on that wooden crown, and it's not been um, overly restored. Um, and in fact, there's a little bit of g- naughty graffiti at the back of the seat, which we think is some quiet, naughty choir boys over the years have <laughs> scribbled their name o- on the seat. And, West, and that is still Westminster there Abbey. at Westminster Abbey. So the procession starts from famous Buckingham Palace, Buck House, and um, he goes in one golden carriage, but not the golden carriage. He goes in one very important golden carriage, and then he will be wearing full military uniform, uh, which they don't always do. Sometimes they wear a more traditional robes but he's going to be wearing military uniform um, and then he will go back from um, Westminster Abbey in the famous golden carriage it's not being used twice because it's a bit old and it's very <laughs> bumpy and we're slightly concerned the wheels might drop off so um, he's only using it on, on the way back so he's not Obviously, too be shaken a, before be he gets there a speed limitation yes a speed limitation so I've said this before on the air I'll say it again I was wrong last September because I felt, okay, the fall is here, kids are back in school, travel demand's going to subside, we'll get back to some normal pricing, we'll get back to some normal approaches to travel and where we want to go. Not happened. Didn't happen, wasn't going to happen. The dynamic had changed, and all the algorithms that you could use to project demand or set prices thrown out the window, the travel demand has not subsided at all. Yes, you're absolutely right, Peter, and the World Travel and Tourism Council, we do some in-depth research with an organisation called Oxford Economics, and very, very interestingly, demand is still outstripping supply. It's certainly true that people saved a lot of money during COVID. Not everybody, of course, but some people did. And really, some of them have still got a lot of money and they don't want things, they want experiences. And we're finding that more and more. I think when we were all locked up during COVID, yes, we might have bought a new washing machine or we bought some books or we got the bedroom redecorated. But now we want to get out and explore. And as you said, those numbers are really, really sustaining. So if you look at the global numbers, numbers in 2023 that's this year we will only be a little bit shy of the 2019 numbers but if you look at US numbers as you said Peter the demand is completely outstripping where we were before so 2023 is going to be one of the biggest years ever for travel and tourism in the US. There's one little fly in the ointment and that is international visitors. They will be growing massively but there'll still be about 20-25% less this year than they were in 2019. Yep, that's China and it's Japan. China has only relatively recently reopened um, and Japan 
obviously opened in December, uh, but they are getting back into travel. So if you look at the five source destinations for the US, uh, China and Japan used to be the the two at the the bottom. It's always been Canada, Mexico and the UK, um, but they were swapped out for Germany, German and French visitors. So what's really good about that is other people want to come. But I think it's that it's also, and it's not to make a political point, but if you remember, America held on to that testing regime to visit the US longer than other countries and that actually put them at a disadvantage because people didn't want to come to the US, do a test, find out they were positive COVID and then maybe their travel insurance wouldn't have, you know, backed them up and so they they were frightened of that. So they stopped. And that has actually impacted the US numbers. But that's in the past. Well, one thing that's in the present is visa wait times. Yep. Uh, If you look at India, if you're an Indian trying to get to America, the visa wait times is over a year and a half. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And and there are many other countries that have similar waiting periods. And if you want to travel somewhere, it doesn't have to be the United States, it could be anywhere, and they're going to tell you it's going to take you 18 months just to get a visa, chances are you're going to go somewhere else. Absolutely. And I, you know, just talking at the minute to US citizens, they might say, well, do we need all these tourists? You know, what's the value? But actually, tourism into America brings millions of jobs and it is a big contributory factor to the the economy. You know, it's a major industry. And uh, the great thing about jobs in travel and tourism, one is they're a very honourable job. You know, to serve with pride and to enjoy meeting people is a really important role to do. And it's a job where if you start quite low down in an organisation, you can actually get to be the CEO if you've got the talent and you work hard. It's a proper American dream job. So travel and tourism is very, very important to the US economy. And it's growing at double digits to the general um, growth in the US economy. In fact, it is globally as well. And let's talk about that in terms of global GDP, because the average, if, if I'm reading your statistics correctly, is about 11%. But if you take a look at Caribbean island nations, South Pacific island nations, that GDP average is not 11%, it's 60%, it's 70%. And without travel and tourism, those countries don't exist. Exactly, and if you look at the Maldives or Mauritius, it can be 80%. If you look at certain countries in Europe, Croatia, it's 25%. But you're right, in the US, it's about 10%. And uh, globally, let's just... Just, uh, I mean, these are massive numbers, but globally, in 2019, travel and tourism used to be worth $10 trillion globally. If we look ahead the next 10 years, it's going to get to nearly $16 trillion. And in the US, it's going to represent one in every eight jobs is going to be in this sector. You've got to remember, we're digital. the digital world is making a lot of jobs Um, redundant effectively and bringing in a lot of efficiencies so people can spend more time actually doing what they want to do which is traveling and but you cannot replace a wonderful hospitality that you receive at a hotel or a tour guide with a computer not yet anyway thank god not in my time hope you're right (laughs) my thanks to julia to victoria mather and to simon calder from the independent And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, 
royal as well as otherwise, just log on to petergreenberg.com. The Ion Travel Podcast is produced by Amanda Morris and Anthony Protis Chung. For more content from Peter Greenberg and the Ion Travel team, visit petergreenberg.com. Ion Travel is a production of CBS News Radio. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on Auto Trader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital edition wherever you get your books.